Welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. Since there is a fundamental difference between the Baptist and the Reformers regarding the covenant, what doctrines are involved due to this difference? Some of the basic subjects are the family, baptism, the Lord's Supper, ecclesiology, which is the doctrine of the church, and the relationship of civil government to the church. Naturally, some of these topics are interrelated and involve other subjects in a secondary way. For example, liberty of conscience is affected by more than one of the doctrines above, With the belief that the New Testament is an extension of the Old, it was maintained by the Reformers that the New was linked and related to the Old by the rite of circumcision. In attempt to answer objections to infant baptism, Calvin gives the following, In order to gain a stronger footing here, they, that is the objectors, of infant baptism, add that baptism is a sacrament of penance and faith, and as neither of these is applied to tender infancy, we must beware of rendering its meaning empty and vain by admitting infants to the communion of baptism. But these darts are directed more against God than against us, since the fact that circumcision was a sign of repentance is completely established by many passages of Scripture. And here Calvin only gives one passage, which is Jeremiah 4.4, which says, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskin of your heart, ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Calvin continues, Thus Paul terms it a seal of the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.11. And Romans 4.11 says, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that the righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Calvin continues, Let God then be demanded why he ordered circumcision to be performed on the body of infants. For baptism and circumcision being here in the same case, they cannot give anything to the latter without conceding it to the former. If they concur to the usual evasion that by the age of infancy, spiritual infants were then figured, we have already closed this means of escape against them. We say then that since God imparted circumcision, the sign of repentance and faith to infants, it should not seem absurd that they are now made partakers of baptism unless men choose to clamor against an institution of God. That's from Calvin's Institutes on the Christian Religion, Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 16, from Paragraph 20. There are several things in this quote that needs to be addressed later. 
However, I will briefly mention some now. One is the subject of sacrament. The Reformers insist in calling baptism and the Lord's Supper, and also other things at times, sacraments. Baptists simply maintain that they are ordinances, that is, rules, laws, regulations, given by God for believers, and they are not some mysterious means of grace to benefit those who participate in them. Secondly, the Scriptures speak of repentance, but not of penance. Another objection, the third, the Scriptures do not affirm that circumcision was a sign of repentance. Romans 4.11 tells us that circumcision was a, quote, seal of the righteousness of the faith which he, that is Abraham, had in uncircumcision. It was never stated to such, or it was never stated as such to anyone as assumed by Calvin and the Reformers. That is, the baptism is a sign of circumcision. Fourth, Calvin spoke of God demanding circumcision to be performed on the bodies of infants. This, too, is misleading. God only demanded circumcision to be performed on males. Females were never included in the rite of circumcision in the Scriptures. In any case, I only gave this quote to show that the Reformers link or connect circumcision to baptism. Remember that in the passage quoted, Calvin said, For baptism and circumcision being here in the same case, they cannot give anything to the latter without conceding it to the former. And Calvin was making that connection with reference to Romans 4.11. This connection is why the Reformers maintain that children of believing parents are in the covenant and or the kingdom, and thereby come under the umbrella of the church. Under the subheading of baptism as a duty, Charles Hodge said the following in his Systematic Theology in Volume 3 on pages 587 and 588. And I'm quoting here Charles Hodge. Membership in the visible church is not only a great honor, it is a great advantage. Everyone admits that it is a blessing to be born in a Christian instead of a heathen land. It is no less obviously true that it is a blessing to be within the pale of the church and not cast out into the world. It is good to have the vows of God upon us. It is good to be under the watch and the care of the people of God. It is good to have a special claim upon their, their prayers and upon their efforts to bring us into or keep us in the paths of salvation. And above all, it is good to be of the number of those to whom God has made a special promise of grace and salvation. For the promise is unto us and to our children. It is a great evil to be aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant, covenants of promise. They therefore sin against God and their own souls who neglect the command to be baptized in the name of the Lord 
And those parents sin grievously against the souls of their children who neglect to consecrate them to God in the ordinance of baptism. Do let the little ones have their names written in the Lamb's book of life, even if they afterward choose to erase them. Being thus enrolled may be the means of their salvation. End of quote. Now, did you get that? He said, do let the little ones have their names written in the Lamb's book of life, even if they afterwards choose to erase them. Being thus enrolled may be the means of their salvation. The scriptures are clear in showing that baptism is not a mystery of some means of grace. 1 Peter 3.21 says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This verse plainly states that baptism is a figure. What's a figure? That is, it's a picture or a type. Just like the ark in which Noah and his family were delivered from the flood, was a picture or a figure of how we are saved by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, so is baptism a picture of the same thing. Therefore, when Jesus was baptized by John, and he, that is, Jesus, said, quote, For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness, end of quote, it was being done in a picture, a figure, or a type. Remember, Charles Hodge also believed the five points of Calvinism. However, what one believes regarding the doctrine generally influences his beliefs in all other doctrines. Therefore, it is important that we believe the truth of the Scriptures to avoid contradictions in our overall theology. Equally, this shows the importance of knowing the difference between what Baptists believe from that of the Reformers. Yes, there are many similarities between Baptists and Reformers, but there are some fundamental differences which separate the two groups. The Lord willing, we will discuss some of these in more detail as we go forward. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.